Hello everybody, welcome back to The 100 Report. As I'm sure a lot of you are aware, the ECB have just announced that The 100 is going to be postponed until next year. So obviously this is sad for a large part considering the world now under COVID-19, it wasn't too much of a surprise. But nevertheless, it means that the game is delayed and there's lots of ramifications about if the game is going to go ahead next year, if at all. But we wanted to release this episode that we recorded before the announcement came out. It was our first episode where we discuss the two northern women's teams. Now, whilst the squads for both the men's and women's teams are probably going to be different next year, we wanted to release this episode anyway because we felt that throughout the discovery of the teams, we noticed that actually there were a lot of important points that needed to be said about the women's game, and especially we shone some light on players that people perhaps didn't know, and we felt that there was enough content in this episode to release it so you guys have a little idea about what the women's game is. I know I speak for myself as well as Charlie that... We didn't know too much about the women's game, but after this we felt we knew a little bit more and we could see some of the really positive things about the women's game and also some of the things that haven't really got a light shined on them in the way that we hoped that they do. Also, as far as the 100 Report podcast is concerned, we are going to keep doing our podcasts. We are working on a couple of new episodes as we speak, so please do continue to like, subscribe, share, comment, get everybody into it. It's at The 100 Report on Instagram and at 100 Report on Twitter. Also, you can find us on iTunes and YouTube. But without further ado, here is the episode we pre-recorded on the Northern Women's 100 teams. Hope you enjoy. Okay, we're back. Welcome again to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And today we are looking at the first two of our women's teams. But before we do, uh, how are you? How was your weekend? Really good. Yeah, we've got some, had some good weather. We've been spoilt for it. And although we're on this lockdown still, I really can't complain. I had a beautiful Sunday traditional roast dinner yesterday cooked by my mum. So I'm getting spoiled. So how jealous. is your weekend? And most importantly, how is your garden growing? Oh, my garden. Well, updates. I've now got three courgettes growing. It's, uh, it's very, very exciting. I feel like a proud dad. Um, well I'm, done. Thank I would you. have for sure killed them already. That's fantastic. How <laughs> how big are we talking? Oh, at the moment they're only about like the length of half of my little finger, which is not right. very big to our listeners. It's not going to uh, fill you up then. You need no, to wait for them to grow a bit more. Not yet. We'll wait a little bit into the season. But anyway, uh, without further ado, how did you find uh, researching the women's teams? Because I've I I have thoughts, but I wanted to hear what you thought. Well. I found it a little tricky and I was mm. really excited to get to know some of the women's players. Like yourself, I've seen a couple of the women's games and really enjoyed what I've seen so far, but I haven't followed them as much as I had the men's team. So I was curious to see what kind of stats I could get online and what what research I could get. And I was a little bit disappointed. I'm not going to lie. A couple of the big cricket websites that I normally get a lot of stats and data from were completely empty when it came to some of the players which was quite frustrating and just sort of shows the state of the game that we're on in the moment and it also just shows that how important something like the 100 is in creating more knowledge and more excitement for the women's game I know that the ECB were really focused towards the 100 being 
a way of younger audience getting to know cricket but I also feel like they have said themselves that it's a real push for the women's games so I really hope that after the the 100 a lot of these websites are going to be full of all these stats and data that we can that we can get from I 100% agree I found some of the bigger name players, so well-established international players, you could find out quite a fair bit about them. But there was an awful lot, especially some of the younger junior players, there's almost nothing on them. And I thought that was a crying shame, you know, not just from a research thing, because we, you know, we wanted to tell people about these players, but from a kind of a cricket lover's perspective. I I also found there were a couple of publications that, uh, that... gave particular players the wrong name uh, or put the wrong picture up. Um, there was a player in Manchester called uh, Emma Lamb who was wrong named on something. And I thought that was a bit, well, a, a bit of a shame, really. That's a bit of a schoolboy error, isn't it? I mean, yeah. come on. But I think it's only going to go up from here. It's great that we've got the 100 and we can hopefully provide some useful knowledge for you guys so you don't need to troll through a lot of these uh, websites that have these kind of mistakes. So... Let me just talk through how the women's teams were formed because it was a totally different process from the men's teams. They didn't have another three-hour-long draft. We had to watch on Sky Sports, thank goodness. So um, I think it was a slightly easier process. In September, all of the women that were interested in the game, again, put their names forward into the registration process. And then most of the coaches were already chosen. Again, some of them haven't been chosen on the teams. But those that were chosen, the coach then got to choose the players for their squad. So in September, so there's a two-stage open market system for the women's team. So September saw the first first phase where they got to choose two England centrally contracted players to start their team. Mm -hmm. And then during the second stage, you were allowed to pick from the international players. Right. So I think they got to choose the first two international players. Now, I say choose, but it was actually um, a lot of the coaches going to the players that they wanted, negotiating with them directly to see what they wanted to join their team. Right. And then after that, you then got to choose the remaining players. And you could choose between the remaining England centrally contracted players that weren't initially chosen. You could choose from the overseas players and the domestic players. In total, each team, similarly to the men's team, were allowed to choose three England centrally contracted players in total and a maximum of three overseas players. And I think they've got until the end of May to get their teams finalised. So at the moment, we've got half a team, which we're going to talk about. I think I've got nine on the Northern Supercharged. I think Chris has got eight on the Manchester Originals. That's true. So that's how it worked. Let's start with the Manchester Originals. Yeah, I think we should. Um, So let's start off with the England centrally contracted players first. So they've got two of their three so far, Manchester. They have Kate Cross first up. And I'd say if you only have a passing interest or knowledge of women's cricket, you'll probably know who Kate Cross is. She's England's opening bowler. She shares the new ball with Catherine Brunt. Kind of a skiddy bowler. She was actually the first woman to be accepted into Lancashire's Cricket Academy, which I think is quite a nice stat. And also one of the first 18 women to be awarded a central contract from the ECB. And has also played franchise cricket in the Big Bash League in Australia and is now with Perth. Um, she, ha- interestingly, has a lower economy, bowling economy in tests than in T20. Now, that doesn't sound like much on the face of it, but that's actually, there's quite a stark difference. She has an, a test economy of 14, 
which is magnificent. That's early Vernon Philander style. That's amazing. Um, And she's got 26 in T20, which considering the length of time Kate Cross has been playing international cricket, that's still very good. So I I think she's a real strong suit for for the uh, for the. Manchester I can see when they went with her franchise. first. It's a great choice. Definitely, um, she didn't get to play in the World Cup though. She injured herself during a warm up for the West Indies. She sort of had a Glenn McGrath moment, which is a bit of a shame because I think she could have really done some damage. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly on, uh, she's also a local player. She's based in Lancashire, so uh, very helpful in that regard. Next up, we're going to go to Alex Hartley. Uh, she's a slow left arm spinner and was part of England's ODI World Cup winning team in 2017. And in fact, in that year, was named in the ICC Women's ODI Team of the Year. So that was only three years ago. So that says a lot about the quality of her as a player. And again, another one of the England Central contracted players. And uh, she's a lower order batsman, uh, but her T20 bowling average is 26, which again is very good. I, I always think if you've got a T20 bowling average under 30, you are really doing something right. One issue that came up for me with Manchester is another player who's in the squad who is very similar, a lower order player, left arm spinner. The only difference is, is age and experience. So the next player I'm going to talk about is Sophie Eccleston. If you were following the Women's World Cup this year, Sophie Eccleston was a tour de force. She is a young left-arm spinner. She's very young. I think she's 21. She's 20 years old. And uh, already, this is this is an interesting fact, as a 20-year-old has already got 50 T20 wickets and 100 international wickets. So at age... My goodness. Yeah, at age 20, that's, that's ridiculous. And Danny Wyatt, uh, one of the legends of women's cricket and also a Stokey, so she's a favourite by me. You're not biased at all there. Not at all, not slightly. Um, she reckons that Sophie Eccleston's the best spinner in the world, so I think Manchester are very, very fortunate to have someone like that in their squad. Uh, let's move on to the overseas players. So Manchester have got two overseas players so far. The first one, they have Mignon Dupree. Now, Mignon Dupree is kind of a legend amongst South African women's cricket she was the South African captain from 2007 to 2018. And she does keep wicket a little bit, but I don't think she's going to be keeping wicket. I think we have a specialist wicketkeeper in the squad already. Um, she's played across franchise cricket all over the place. Uh, she even played for Melbourne Stars and also played for the Northerns in South Africa. Uh, she was also the first South African to score 1,000 T20 international runs. So a wealth of experience and definitely a front runner for captain, I would suggest anyway. But in her spare time, she's studying for a marketing degree at the University of Pretoria. As which, you do. Well, I think I think it's wonderful. And I think, you know, sort of it says a lot about this, this, the state of women's cricket at the moment that you'll see that there's these uh, these women in this in these squads are a lot of the time doing something else. Uh, if not doing a marketing degree, they're playing for another team in another discipline of sport. So it's it's very interesting to me. Um, now, Mignon Dupree, I reckon, is a middle-order player, and she can be very, very destructive and uses her feet very well against spinners. So I think she's going to sit in our middle-order somewhere. Next up, the other overseas player is also a South African player. Uh, she's called Lizelle Lee. Uh, she also played in the World Cup and opened the batting for South Africa. 
can be very destructive. She's kind of a stocky, big hitter of the ball. And it's interesting. She's actually been playing for South Africa for seven years. So again, a lot of experience. And she scored her first T20 international century against the uh, the much-loved Thailand in the Women's World Cup. Um, and yeah, she has also had some domestic experience in England. She played for Surrey where recently she got a very devastating 75 off 28 when they were playing against Lancashire. So it's interesting she's gone to Lancashire now to play for the franchise around that catchment area. So that's Lizelle Lee. I think we're going to see her opening the batting. So let's move on to the rest of the squad. Uh, The other opener, in my mind, is a young lady called Emma Lamb, who is an opening batsman. She does bowl as well. Now, I wrote down in my notes that she's an occasional bowler, but then I looked at her stats and went, I think you're a bit more than an occasional bowler. So um, an interesting fact about her is that when she was playing in under-17s cricket, her last season as an under-17s player, her batting average was over 100. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. But you only have to look on the bowling side. In 2018... Uh, when she was playing for Lancashire, she got her best bowling figures, and they were actually Lancashire's then best bowling figures, which was four for 17 on in a T20. That's that's really good. I think she's going to definitely be opening the bat, and we're probably going to see her bowl a little bit. So you can see we've already got a kind of a spin-heavy squad evolving at the moment. Next up, let's move to another batter. This is Georgie Boyce. Now, Georgie Boyce was somebody that I found was kind of difficult to research because there wasn't too much on there and a couple of leading cricket websites didn't really have too much about the uh, about Georgie Boyce which is a shame she's a young batter uh, bats for Lancashire she's sort of just getting into the Lancashire squad and she can bowl medium pace but there wasn't too much information on uh, on her stats in that regard now I think sadly she had kind of an inauspicious start with Lancashire but she had a couple of good scores in there, and I think really Georgie Boyce is a perfect example of what good the hundred can do for not just women's cricket, but for a particular female cricketer. So I think it's great that she's added to the squad. It's going to do her no end of good being around such experiences: Kate Cross, Mignon Dupree, Lizelle Lee, Sophie Eccleston, etc. Um, so that's Georgie Boyce, and last but not least, we have Ellie Threlkeld. So this is the person that I think is going to be the wicketkeeper. And I'm going to give you a stat that I think is just so mind-blowing that made me go, there's no question about it. She has to keep wicket. Um, She is currently the uh, gloves woman for Lancashire, uh, but she also plays football for Wigan Athletic. So again, it shows there's, there's kind of this duality to some female sports people. So... Very, very interesting that you can do that. It kind of reminds me of when you used to read stories of England cricketers or men's cricketers from early in the 20th century when there was still that somewhere between professional sports player and semi-professional, if you will. So people would often do two or three different things. But again, an athlete, if you can play to you know local club level standard in two different disciplines, that's really something quite impressive. Um, she's a middle order batsman, I would say, but this is the stat that I loved. She's had 65 senior games so far and has had 42 stumpings. Wow. 
That's really good. It's it's incredible. You think stumpings for me, they're kind of a rarity, but that is an incredible amount of stumpings compared to the amount of games she's had. But anyway, that is the Manchester original squad as we have it so far. So Thanks for that, Chris. I think that's really interesting and good to get to know some of the players that I didn't know much about before. Yeah. Now, it's going to be difficult for us to do a complete batting lineup. Obviously, yeah. you've only got eight players there, but just... Sort of looking down the order, you mentioned sort of uh, openers that you'd have before. Is there anything that you think is missing that they're going to need to get from the last couple of players? Yes. So I actually think it's quite glaring what they need. So they have the openers. They they have Lizelle Lee, Georgie Boyce and uh, Emma Lamb. And they also have middle order. They have number four in Mignon Dupree, number five in Ellie Threlkeld. And they also have the lower three. They have 9-10 jacks. So they have Alex Hartley, Sophie Eccleston and Kate Cross at the bottom of the order. So for me, it's the lower middle order. So we need a 6, a 7 and an 8. That's that's what I think. Also, one thing that I think we're a little bit light on at the moment is seam bowling. Especially if you have somebody to take the new ball with Kate Cross. So for me, that's what we need. We need lower middle orders, preferably seam bowling lower middle order players but apart from that i think a pretty solid squad and i'm kind of excited for them anyway sounds good yeah um, let's, let's interestingly at... we kind of the team that i was researching the northern superchargers a little different story when it comes to what we're missing so i'll run through those but just just first up um i know that the manchester originals hadn't confirmed their coach yet so we're, mm. we're waiting to see who their coach is going to be the coach for the northern superchargers is very exciting because she's literally just retired from England so and she's only 31 as well so she's got a most amazing stats it's Danielle Hazel Mm -hmm. spin bowler former England cricketer as I said and she was one of the first ever women to be awarded an ECB contract her T20 stats are amazing bowling average of 20 an economy rate of 5.5 and she was voted number one by the ICC in the bowling rankings for 2014 it's a shame she's not playing she is. She could still be playing if she wanted to, I'm sure. Um, but also just really useful to have that fresh knowledge of the England players, the England conditions, having just retired. It's her first posting as a coach. So she's got a lot to offer. So I think that's a great signing for the Northern Superchargers. So she chose to captain already. We've also got the captain and the first of the England central contracted players, Lauren Winfield, who is wicketkeeper batsman. She is actually stuck in Australia right now because she she played in the Big Bash League and she was celebrating her honeymoon afterwards and she's got stuck there. But <laughs> don't worry about it. I've been checking on her Insta stories. It looks like she's having a really good time. I'm but yeah, she's I'm stuck sure in Australia. It, I can definitely think of worse places to be stuck. <laughs> exactly. So hopefully she is fine down there and be back home soon. So yeah, as I said, she's got Big Bash League experience. She plays for Yorkshire. Her T20 average is 22 and her strike rate is pretty incredible at 111. She really yeah. excels in the T20 format. I think it's her best format when it comes to stats. And in that, she shares with Tammy Bowman the highest T20 stand of England's women cricket. Between them, they got 147. So she's not shy of getting the big score. So I think that's a great signing to start with the Northern Superchargers yeah. and she will be captain. Uh, the second of the English players is Lindsay Smith. She is a left arm spin bowler. 
and her economy rate is six and her average is 14. So it's really great to have an England uh, experienced player with the bat and with the ball first up. So those two together are going to be a great, great pair. So we're going to talk about the international players now. And no surprises, they went first of all with Alyssa Healy. I mean, who, who wouldn't? is renowned right now uh, for well, almost winning the World Cup for Australia um, a couple of months back. She's also known as Mitchell Stark's better half. Right. And she's obviously an explosive opener, wicketkeeper batsman, so the second wicketkeeper here. And yeah, it was her 75 of 39 balls in the final that helped Australia absolutely flatten the Indian team. It was the most fantastic game to watch, uh, sealing the World Cup win for Australia. Uh, her T20 average is 25 and her strike rate is 132. And actually, interestingly, she once got in T20 50 of 30 balls. And that is the quickest in an ICC final by either men or women. Wow. <laughs> that's... Need I say more about Alyssa? No, you, you needn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fantastic signing. And the second international player they went for was another Australian, ah. um, Nicola Carey. So she is an all-rounder and her T20 economy rate with the ball is 6.3 and her average is 24 and her average with the bat is 30. So she's got great stats with both bat and ball. She normally bats around five or six. She might go slightly higher in this format. Um, Do you you think it's really interesting that um, already we've we've seen that uh, Manchester have picked two South African overseas players and Northern Superchargers have picked two Australian overseas players? Do you think we're going to see that as a common trend that teams are going to pick majority overseas players for the same team? I think that's a good idea, you know, because we've seen as we've gone down the men's teams that a lot of the coaches has picked um, predominantly local players to just form that um, camaraderie, that team spirit within the four or five days they have before a competition launches and training. So mm. that sort of needs to be the same with the international players because especially they obviously can come from any of the countries that, that play cricket and they need to feel feel as comfortable and as confident as they can so it's quite nice that already Alyssa Healy and Nicola Carey they they're both key members of the Australian squads so they already have that team spirit so mm. I think I think that's a good call we'll see as they go along but yeah it's For sure. interesting that two out of the two women's teams so far have picked two of the international players from the same country so we'll yeah. see what that follows suit um but yeah so Nicola Carey key member of the Australian squad and as I said really good big bash league she helped the Hurricanes beat the Melbourne Stars with two for 27 with the ball and an unbeaten 60 from 46 Ooh. so really great all-rounder yeah um we'll go down the order now we've got next up Alice Davidson Richards AKA ADR. She's known known to us from her friends. Um, she's a right arm, medium, fast paced bowler. She normally bats around four or five. She had a really good career for Kent, winning the county championship title four times. Now she plays for the Yorkshire Diamonds. We're going to see a lot of the of the players from the Yorkshire Diamonds on this team with the no- local knowledge. And she was just awarded last year an England Central contract. And she offers a lot of power down the order. So. We'll see where she where she bats, but I reckon yes, four or five or slightly higher in this format. Mm. Next up, we've got a bowler, right arm, medium pace, Georgia Davis. She plays for the Birmingham Bears and the Warwickshire Women's team. She's a right arm, medium spinner. Um, again, like you said earlier, I found it a little bit difficult to 
get more information about certain players. And unfortunately, one of those were was Georgia Davis, to the extent where even a, a big publication spelled her surname wrong, which kind of infuriated oh, me a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what she can offer. Um, next up, we've got another player from the Yorkshire Diamonds, Yorkshire leg spinner, Kate Levick. Now, Kate Levick is the leading wicket taker in the history of county cricket. So I'm super excited to see her in, in the spin attack. Yeah, it's quite applauded to her. Exactly. And no wonder why they chose her. Good local knowledge as well. Um, next up, we've got Helen Fenby, all-rounder, offering a bit of leg break, right-handed bat from Durham. She plays for Durham. And also really useful, unorthodox spin. She was recently called up for the England Women's Academy training camp. She's only 21 years old, so she's really promising mm. and looks fantastic. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see her in action. And last but not least, we have Bess Heath, uh, another wicketkeeper, all-rounder, right-handed bat, 19 years old. Again, she plays for the Yorkshire Diamonds and she's been training with the England's Women's Academy. So we've got a lot of youth in this team, yeah, a lot of all-rounders, three wicketkeepers, some good, useful spin, also right arm, uh, medium, fast-paced bowlers. So I think that the everything. only thing that we're sort of missing from here is someone to attack the opening with Alyssa Healy. She's obviously going to open and it will be, I think we're sort of missing a uh, two or three in the batting lineup. That's what I'd say that they're missing. But apart from that, it's looking really competitive yeah. and sort of fairly evenly balanced team. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of power and a lot of experience in this team, but also a lot of youth. So yeah, really evenly balanced. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it seems like Manchester have got a, um, almost a diametrically opposite problem in that... It's the middle order that Manchester are needing to find, whereas Yorkshire seem to have the entire middle order completely down pat. Um, so great, though, those were the two teams. So next up, we are going to move a little bit further south into the Midlands. Um, we're going to do Trent Rockets and Birmingham Phoenix. So that's Looking that. forward to researching those. One thing that I didn't mention to begin with was that one of the drives of the ECB with, um, so with getting a lot of people involved in the women's teams um, and supporting the women's game is that the prize budget for the winning team is £600,000, which is split between the team. They've matched that with the women's prize as the men's too, which I think is a great move. So they both, the winning teams of each, get £600,000 to split between the teams. That's great on paper. However, we also need to comment that the highest women's salary bracket is £15,000, whereas the men's is £125,000. So that is something to quite a disparity but it's steps in the right direction and let's hope that next year hopefully the women's salary bracket will go up even higher yeah for for sure i think that that is definitely one of the aims of the hundred and i think if we have a successful year then we can definitely see certainly the women's game moving on and up well that's it for this week uh so as ever if you're not following us already either on youtube or itunes please do we are at the hundred report on Instagram and we are at 100 Report on Twitter so please do follow, share, tell all your friends and family and co-workers and so forth and look after yourself and stay indoors.